0: You know, putting a new city, being put in a new environment, and you have very, very little guidance. You have these people who send you emails, you have these people who you see in the office or through a the class, they you don't really have that connection because you never talk to them in person. Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Student Affairs Podcast. (laughs) There you go. I hope that shows up over the music when it all comes together. But anyways, my name is Tom Kriegelstein. I'm your host for today's podcast, where I got to interview uh, Ariel Tan, who is a resident relations coordinator at UC San Diego. And we talk a little bit about her journey as she's moving into her master's program, but more specifically spend a lot of time around uh, her her history and her identification as being a minority in student affairs, specifically as an international student. She came to from China to the United States when she was 12 and just what that's been like. So she's been in the country for a long time and she feels very integrated into the, the, to the culture however she recognizes at institutions there's a a lot of international students who their first day is on campus Their first day in this country is on campus and they're coming with all these thoughts expectations fears anxieties and so and so there's all sorts of thoughts around that and uh, there's challenges too. And so she shares the perspective of what she sees that student affairs professionals could do better to be able to engage and connect with these, student, with these international students uh, that, are, that are coming on campus from orientation to graduation. So with that, I'm going to uh, take a pause, get over to the interview, and hope you all enjoy it. Here we are, finally, in in another interview here with Ariel Tan from UC San Diego, and I want to make sure that I got all that correct so far, right?
0: Yes, this is Ariel, and I'm from UC San Diego.
1: All right, and uh, so welcome. We're we're connecting coast to coast here, because I'm in New York City, you're over there. It's dreary and rainy here, and it's sunny and bright in San Diego, which I feel like is just par for the course for the two coasts yep you you all get the sun we get the rain i get it i get it
0: always pretty always nice always
1: beautiful right exactly uh so for those who don't know who you are first off welcome to the podcast glad you're here thank you uh for those who don't know who you are can you just give us the background of uh where you came from from undergraduate to where you're at now at uc san diego
0: Sure, um, hello everyone, this is Ariel. I'm currently the Residence Relations Coordinator at um, UC San Diego for the grad and family housing. Um, so starting my undergrad, my background is actually in psychology. Uh, I graduated um, in college, oh, I graduated college in three years for financial reasons, and in my last year, that's when I got really, really involved in my undergrad residence life at Revel College. Um, I was a re- I was in an intern role. The primary goal for my role was to program for students, and I really, really liked I enjoyed that aspect of it. After I graduated, I gave myself two years gap year to find out if I really want to go back to research because I was also a researcher at the time or do I want to, you know, pursue student affairs as my path. And within these two years, I've been working at KC San Diego. I really enjoy um, the student development, the connection, as well as the self-service reflection piece I get from student affairs and what that means that I've been applying to grad schools and I got accepted to some programs in this upcoming fall I'll be moving to New York so the other side of the coast um, to pursue my master's of education in higher education student affairs at New York University and outside of my work um, I like to, I really like to play video games I'm a gamer <laughs> I also like to blog I blog in Chinese Oh, another piece of it is actually came from China when I was 12. So I do have that, like, I spent half of my time in China. I spend half of my life in here.
1: Yeah. So, you're, so you are, you're going to be coming to NYU?
0: Yes, All I right.
1: will. All right. Well, welcome to the other coast. I know.
0: I'm going to get to experience this thing called rain and snow and yeah. coldness and in things like that.
1: In a massive city. Mm -hmm. I mean, LA is pretty big, but New York's just made more condensed. That's all. Mm -hmm. Um, So you said you moved from China here when you were 12?
0: Yes.
1: Or 12 years ago, I guess. Well, somewhere in there. Um, Yes. Well,
0: the funny story is I'm turning 24 this year in November, so I spent exactly half of my life in China and exactly half of my life in America in this year.
1: Yeah, yeah. How has that, in terms of, uh, in terms of your identity, um, uh, played out in terms of your higher education experience and then ultimately where you're working now?
0: Sure. Um, first of all, identity is something that I, really, I never really thought of or reflected upon when I was younger. Um, I stayed in a small um, suburb town called Murrieta in uh, SoCal for the six years before I come to college in San Diego and uh, it was predominantly white community at the time when I attended school, so I was like one of the only Chinese person in the school, and um, most of my friends do not have an international background, so even though there are times when I was confused, and there are times that um, I wasn't sure what I was doing or what I really want, I kind of just like went with the flow, there wasn't a moment for me to sit back and think about it, because, and then, let alone. There wasn't a person for me to talk and have this kind of conversation with, and I didn't really get exposed to like the cultural identity part or the my my intersectionality until I started my red life, or I guess my red life career in my junior year. Um, so I went through the the RA training, and that's when it first opened my mind. We at ACC and Eagle we we have a three weeks RA training course that I participated. So we did the equity. Um, it's called Equity-Minded Education, which was like the first introduction of like, this is what race is about, here's America, and here's the issue that we have, and here's um, all these, how, uh, what we're what we trying to do to help students and guide students through that uh, very critical young adults life, and that was really, really empowering, because that's the first time I get to like, talk about these things, I get to see these things, and I get to talk to people who re- I can relate to as well as people who have experiences as different from mine.
1: Yeah. So, so when-
0: that's kind of like how I started. And I think that's that also what really inspired me to want the student affair as a career.
1: Yeah. Was there? Did you have a mentor or anyone that was, that was above you that guided you? Uh,
0: I don't, well, um, I think my residence life team, all the supervisors were really nice. Another interesting story is I went through three different supervisors within like one simple school year. Um, and then each one of them offered me a, a great personal connection and a great personal reflection. However, they, they weren't Asian. They weren't international. So that's the part that we couldn't relate. But what they provided me with abundance of resources and empowerment and encouragement of connecting me to people or information of um, what I can do. So I think that was of like important um, because it kind of per- it made me feel like at least at Res Life, I have this um, this network of encouragement. Now outside of gra- uh, outside of undergrad, in this past two years, when I this past two ga- uh, two years of my gap years, uh, I would say one of my colleague Katie was actually my mentor, even though uh, she identified as white, um, but we were able to build a connection, and then she was able to help me navigate all. Sorts of questions, and again, offer me resources, and then it was because of her that I joined with KUHO, which is stands for Western Association of College and University Health Officers. Yeah. And at there, I met Mel from USC who identified as Asian, uh, and then that's when I really find like a mentor who I can relate to, and that's where it kind of all started.
1: Yeah, and now uh, in in the position you are in Res Life, uh, do you do you do international students come to you, or are you reaching out to international students, or is it just is it like what is the unique experience here between the international students' experience in higher ed versus the, the student who maybe was born and raised here in America um, and doesn't have that international experience, or it, it, it it's it's not it's not the country they were born in either, and maybe not the language that's their their first language. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. Um, I think there's a couple layers. So I will first answer the question of like, whether or not international student at my current institution come to me. The answer is actually no, because uh, even though I work here at Red Life, the way that the grad housing and family housing is currently operated is more of like a, uh, is like a combination of leasing office and residence life office. So with that being said, we don't really have that kind of like RA kind of like experience. So they, don't, they only know me as this lady who sent them notice email or this lady who, do the, who does the appeal, things like that. However, when I can, I will engage uh, in conversations with them, especially during move-ins. During summer when we have a move-in, sometimes there was one particular time I conducted like a five-people movie and they were all Chinese. So I just did my whole moving process in Chinese. Um, and then in terms of how does the experience of international students and different from local students within higher ed. I think there's two pieces of it from a student perspective. Um, I'm also a third generation college student, so I didn't really have anyone to like, explain what college experience is or like a Chinese college experience is to me. And in America, because the education system works very differently, I didn't really have any anticipation when I come to college other than, like, it's supposed to be a fun place or, or it's supposed to be, like, a place where you get to party or you get to take classes, you get to lo- learn things from professors. But I didn't really know what student affairs is about. I didn't know how the dorm works. I didn't know who are RA's. I didn't know all these student organizations and or how, how, how the student how the student government operated. So I think that piece is very important. It's, lots of international students come here with very, very little or very, very, like media related anticipation of what the college experience is going to be like
1: yeah yeah and cool. then
0: i mean using residence life as a, as an example in china um so all of my elementary school friends were the same age so they went through uh, school uh college in china their dorm is significantly different than ours um they don't really get to have like apartment style dorms or apartment style on-campus housing their dorm it, it kind of They range from like four people sharing one space to like eight people sharing one space, mostly like beds, there isn't really a lounge, they don't really have RAs, those kind of things. Um, So when I was trying to explain what I do in America, they're like, okay, so do you like watch a gate and make sure people don't get in? I was like, "Mm, that's not really what I do. (laughs) Uh, Because the only person that they know of that works for the dorms is the security aspect. So like people who check in, do, do your ID that kind of thing, and then in terms of um, professionals in higher education, I'm actually in like a little group. It's called WeChat group, which is a, is an app um, very common, popular among Chinese uh, population. So in this group is all the people who work in who are Chinese that works in uh, higher education here in America. And then lots of them are grad students and when they look for jobs, like their biggest concern isn't about institutional fit, isn't about like culture, it's about who can give me the job. Because like the matter of fact is who can sponsor me to get a visa and have me work in this institution. Like that's their biggest concern. So I think that's very sad because in another word, international um, grad students with the student affairs background are greatly limited because they don't like like yeah visa citizenship it is just a big disadvantage for them
1: let me ask a question then, sorry what was what, what's the app um the so
0: app is called wechat um how it's sp- a really really popular app how do you spell um, that it's, it's w-e-c-h-a-t so it's
1: like we are chatting oh wechat wechat gotcha mm-hmm. and and is it so wechat's probably just a generic chat platform and just like uh like um uh, whatsapp and then under wechat yes. there's a channel that's exactly. dedicated specifically to the international students in higher education or international people it's not
0: particularly it's not really a channel it's like a group think about like group a, me yeah yeah, yeah. So we have a group me for okay. for like people who work in who yeah. for chinese right america
1: how did you find out about it
0: uh so i okay so there's on my on my other social media platform it's called oh. Weibo, or lots of people call it Weibo, because it's spelled W-E-I-B-O. Um, I ran into a grad student. She's actually graduating in a couple of days uh, from somewhere in Texas, and she added me to that group. And then ever since I've been in that group, when people like meet each other in conferences, we just drag people. So far, I think we have like 33 or 35.
1: Yeah. Okay. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, how, so I'm, I'm curious uh, just to keep going down this, this path with the, the, um, being international and as a student, but then also working in higher education. Um, one of the, the challenges that I've heard at other campuses is that, um, international students tend to clump together, just Mm -hmm. like a lot of other identity groups will clump together. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's a safety thing. It's a comfort thing. Um, and in the residence halls, which you're working in, uh, how do you see that happening with the international students? And then also as an international student yourself, does that, does that, is that something you're trying to, to focus on and and help to have them branch off and make connections and relationships with, with lots of different identities so they can expand their understanding or, um, or, or is it not a, a thing within your residence halls?
0: Sure. Um, so I also answer your questions in like a couple of layers. First of all, like I have a great privilege is that I'm actually an immigrant. So I, when I look for jobs or when I look for schools, I don't really think about like the visa aspect of things. So I already have that. And then with that being said, there's also limitations on to what extent I can relate to international students um, because I be I came to America. So young, when I was when I was 12, uh, I pretty much integrated or I guess integrated, like a quote, like quote, integrated uh, because I was forced out of my comfort zone at a very young age because there was no one that I can relate uh, when I was in middle school and high school. So that's also like a limitation of how I can speak for their experience. However, in terms of like um, international students only, you know, playing with international students and they only hang out with international students, I think there's two pieces of it. One, it definitely it's just natural. When you find someone, when you find yourself in a new like city, and you find someone who's from your hometown, like oh, you, you automatically have that kind of like connection. Yeah. Uh, I think it just goes beyond the international. Just like locally speaking, if I happen to from the same town from your town, we'll have we'll have that instant connection. Another piece is that I think that despite the the high um, or the, the increasingly um, or Despite the increase in student, uh, international student population, the amount of work has been done for them is very, very, very limited. There's two things: one, most international centers, as far as I know, their biggest um, traffic comes from one when students have internet, uh, when students have visa questions, or two when it, it's a, when they provide surveys for the current students to study abroad, the local students to study abroad in a different institution. They don't really do an extensive orientation. They don't really do an extensive, like, continuous support for these international students. So imagine you being, like, you know, putting a new city, being put in a new environment, and you have very, very little guidance. You have these people who send you emails. You have these people who you see in the office or through a class. But you don't really have that connection because you never talk to them in person. And the part of it um, is because you're intimidated by them. And then the part of it is they never re- reach out to you on a personal level. I think that's, so in a nutshell, I also think that's because as an administration and from a student affairs perspective, we're doing a poor job to reach out. Um, first of all, in terms of Red life, um, I actually had this conversation at our two weeks ago when we had our 2017 wave in Sacramento um, is like I challenge people with the question like how many of you actually reach out if you have a large international student population on our campus how many of you actually reach out to the international student organization leaders Yeah, because using Chinese international as an example so there's two large ones one of them is Chinese Union one of them is Chinese student wait Chinese scholar something, association, but these organizations existed and students have that natural leadership happen because if I was in China and I got to the UCSC, my biggest, like my first thing aside from like confirm and accept my mission is to find who is also going to this school or who has, who is already in this school and I'll connect them through various social media. And then when I get to the country, these people that I got connected to social social media are the people who provide me with shuttles, who help me get uh, a phone card from um, AT&T, who help me get my internet set up, who help me get a bank card from Chase. So these organizations already existed. Like how many like, staff, if you have a large international presentation in your, on your floor, reach out to them and, and show that, okay, hi, this is who I am. I'm the RD for this hall, and then here are the populations. I just want to say hi, and I want to learn something about your population and or organization from you. Yeah. Because from there's two layers to it. One is about collaboration, and I think that's pretty self-explanatory. But two is to show initiative that you actually care about us, and you, you actually want to know more about us. Because one of the, expect, the expectation I think, comes from, many people is that well you should make the effort to talk to these people. You should make the effort to meet these people. Well that's true, but shouldn't the organization or institution also make an effort to connect and talk to you? Like that's that that, that that's a, right. so it's a two on that yeah, so it's a topic. Two,
1: it's definitely a two A street there. Uh, the question on, on if you were if you were in front of a group of international students who had just arrived on campus, this is their first day and you were at mm-hmm. orientation uh, what piece mm-hmm. of advice would you give them? Like, what would be your your big what would, what would be your biggest like top? Maybe let's go top two pieces of advice for them.
0: Um, one is get to know your RA very well because there are these are student staff who are here to like help you. And two is don't ever like be afraid of ask questions and speak up. And the reason why I said that is because one, I think RA is such a unique experience and such unique leadership role that can really, really um, create a personal and lasting connection to that. And two is because, one, I feel like there are lots of international students who might want to run offices or who want to get more involved in, like, the quote-unquote American local student organizations, but they are afraid because they they think, um, they worry about their language barrier, they're not really sure what an organization is about, and because of that, they don't really ask. Because, so blog and lots of people come to me and they ask very specific questions about their institution like how does this program work and I was like well I can't answer that for you why didn't you just email you know whoever the the person is because after googling this organization like here's all their contact information and this the the response I always get is like well I'm free like I don't know if they will reply back to which I always answer, well, they will. Just just to give it a shot and just, just ask. Because, yeah. again, like as much as I want to help you, I can't speak for that organization because I've never been to the school. I'm not a part of it. So I think know. these two are very important. And another thing is, um, a part of the ask questions, if you, if, you, if you are concerned, is because so violation, what I know is economic dishonesty, or just like um, student conduct-related issues, I think a lot of them also stem from international not really understanding how that the conduct products work, and not really understanding to do, to to what extent like if the university can really enforce these policies. Yeah, I think how that makes sense. Yeah, something
1: you said there might be really good. Uh, if 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 a student were in a position where they felt uncomfortable going to someone because of a language barrier, um, that mm-hmm. email might help because it gives a student a chance to to take their time and writing out the question. Um, and mm-hmm. if this case, if it's in English uh, to to mm-hmm. whoever the advisor um, and the advisor should respond back if he or she is is quick with, or at least professional with email. And then it gives mm-hmm. also then the student a chance to process what the what the professional said. So that's like it's a, a really right. quick way for a student who struggles with the, the language barrier to still get their their question out there to the right person. Mm hmm. Um, all right. So you are you are now, you took a gap year. You're undergraduate. You took a gap year. And then you're, you're eventually going to head out here to NYU to go into a um, master's program. What is, yes. what's what's your career path? What are you looking to do?
0: Okay. That's a very tough question because I answered these questions about two months ago, three months ago when I was doing all my grad school interviews. Right. And to be really honest with you, to be very honest with you, I don't really have one, aside from the fact that I really do enjoy student affairs. I want to do maybe, I oh, I really like student development, so I, I look forward to be um, supervising student staff and have a home mentorship and, and really focus on the development aspect of things. Yeah. In terms of what title was my ultimate title, I don't really have one, um, academically speaking, I do really like doing research. I think one thing I forgot to mention way back in my introduction is I I pride myself as a psychology researcher, and I really, really enjoy um, lo- looking at data, uh, doing assessments, and um, and writing and going through literature. So I think I do want to get a PhD or, like, an ED um, sometimes in the future. But aside from these two, like, goals, I don't really have, like, a long-term, like, this is where I want to – See
1: in 10 years. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. And, and granted, as you're going in, so much of, of the growth that I've seen with with people, but also in student affairs, uh, happens in that grad program because you're just going to be exposed mm-hmm. to a bunch of uh, career paths that, that would work for you. Uh, that's mm-hmm. great. Uh, all right, and then I, I have one final question for you, and then we're going to move into the rapid fire round. Sound good? Yeah, good. <laughs> right, the rapid fire round uh, uh, is um are you with your with with your undergraduate students did anyone else were you involved on as an undergraduate student like on campus I was. you were yeah okay
0: um so 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 i was in there in three years the first year i was just like not doing anything when i was a junior when i was a sophomore i was a um i was involved in a couple like uh student or psychology-related organizations. And when I was a junior, that's when I really got involved in Red Life.
1: Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how many, anyone else from your cohort of friends that, that went on to student affairs or is it just you?
0: I think it's just me. I know one of the RA friends who did um, Teach for America. And aside from like us two, I think... I think
1: that's it. Okay, and were you mm-hmm. at the were you at the waste conference last uh, this yeah. year? I was there. I, I opened that. And I, I know.
0: I remember you. I sat okay. in the front row.
1: That's right. I was like, I feel like we connected there, and I, I was like, mm-hmm. I remember you from that. And I wasn't sure if you remembered me, but there we go. Yay! We connected. <laughs> it's all fun. Um, it, it, side note, if, uh, if anyone's never been to a, a residence life conference, they might be the most energetic. And I know the orientation people right now are saying, no, 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 no. The NOTA people are, are, the, the OLs are the most energetic. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think if you put both of them in a room, I would love to see which one had more energy, uh, overall. Sounds,
0: sounds, sounds like a fun, fun little experiment there.
1: Right. It would be, it would be debatable. I'm not sure. Um, all right. Uh, are you ready for the rapid fire round?
0: Yes, I am
1: All right, so these are gonna be quick questions, and anyone who follows me on social media knows I love to ask questions like this, so it's always fun to, mm-hmm. to just know about you as a person um and here we go. uh, what are you most likely to eat for lunch?
0: Um, actually, nothing because usually I bring my lunch and I eat like during between like eight to twelve while I'm working,
1: okay. What is the screensaver image on your phone?
0: Uh, it's currently a picture of me and my, my partner.
1: Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> what's one weird way you prep... <laughs> what's, uh, what's, one weird, what's one weird habit you have at the start of summer?
0: At the start of summer? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just be a couch potato, not do anything, not even shower, not even get out of bed, <laughs> nothing.
1: Uh, if you were to get another cat, what would you name the cat?
0: Oh, that's a good question because I was going to, hmm. okay, it's probably something League of Legends related because that's one of my favorite games. I had a hamster. I named my hamster after a character named Timo. I'm trying to think of what kind of cat character to have, probably Nidalee. Yeah.
1: yeah, okay. Uh, if caffeine were not an option, what would you do to keep yourself going throughout the day?
0: Uh, wait, so tea will be also excluded, right? Yeah. Okay, probably smoothie, like like a fruity smoothie.
1: All right. Uh, What's giving you the biggest anxiety right now?
0: Okay, so my office is really, really, really cold right now. I (laughs) wanted to, like, turn it on earlier, but I can't really get out in the middle of the interview, so the whole time I'm, like, shivering. So I hope that the interview, like, was okay and, like, I wasn't, like, shivering too much (laughs) in my, like, voice.
1: Yep. Uh, What was your favorite toy as a kid?
0: My favorite toy as a kid is probably my dad's computer.
1: Oh, that's good. Um, mm-hmm. Where's the... Where, no, let's see. Um, I got three more for you. Uh, what's, your, what's your favorite food to make?
0: Noodles. Like, any kind of noodles.
1: All right. And then, currently on Facebook, uh, your profile picture, where was it taken?
0: It was taken this past weekend at my partner's parents' house for Easter.
1: All right, and then lastly, if we were to open up your bag or your, your purse, uh, uh, what would be one of the strangest things in there?
0: Okay, so I, my back has this, like, recently has this back pain, and I've been wearing this, like, Chinese herbal, like, patch. It smells, do you know Tiger Balm? Yeah. Okay, it smells very, very, very strongly like that. So when you open my bag, the first thing you can smell or be hit by is a strong smell of tiger mom. And that's probably the the weirdest thing at the moment. (laughs)
1: Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your perspective, mm-hmm. uh, both as a uh, someone who's going into a master's program and also from an, an international student. I think there's a lot of student affairs professionals who work with international students, and this will give them sort of a perspective on what it was like for you and then also Can potentially I, help out. Yeah. Before
0: before you go, I just want to like really advocate for one thing. Um, so like prior to this past few years, I was very afraid of speaking up. But then one day, well, when Emma Watson gave the whole, like, if not me, when, no, it's not me, who, if not now, when, that's what really inspired me. And then so I really, really want to advocate for this unique demographic because, again, ever since 2008, we have a huge amount of internationalists been coming to America, but no one has really, like, spent any effort trying to understand them or give them that kind of attention. So I really want to challenge all the people who are listening to me right now to sit down and talk to your staff and really reflect these that question. Like, if international students are an area of concern for you, like, what do you think about how you can train your staff to be more culturally minded uh, or how to really get connected to these students, are not through, like, student organization, like I mentioned, or just talk to them in person and have that kind of connection, because, I, again, I'm not an international I'm an immigrant, but if I don't speak up for these populations, no one will because none of us is represented in this in this field, so that's just like my last like two cents
1: yeah, that's good and sorry i, I do have a follow- up here um just so, oh, okay. just so I understand it uh, you said I'm not an international student, I'm an immigrant um just i what's the, help me understand because I feel like i'm not I, i'm I'm ignorant enough to not know what what you're saying.
0: Sure. Um, so again, so I came, I immigrated to yeah. America when I was 12, and the reason why I really emphasize that is because as much as I want to, like, advocate, my experience is not the same because I've been to America so long. And Got it. I, here, here's, a, here's my hand. I integrated in this society very, very well, so there are some struggles that they have I don't, but when I, when I started my college career, my Chinese, my my English is so much better than their oral speaking skills, and then when I'm also an extrovert, so it's also easier for me to like talk or not try or embarrass myself, I guess. Yeah. Whereas for them, it's a different experience, and they're also struggling from the whole like finding a support system, trying to acclimate to a new culture. So I had the privilege of not suffering, like have the same suffer, which okay. is why I'm also hesitant to like speak on their behalf because our experience is different, but. For someone who shared that, like, international background, I really want to advocate for
1: them. Okay. All right. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now now I understand. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on the the podcast, and uh, I'm excited Mm -hmm. to get this uh, out into the world. Yay! Thank you, Tom. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.